What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me as he does for every MLB podcast is Luis Barranco. Luis, we're we're just under two weeks away from the postseason. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. It's the best time of year to watch some ball. Not going to lie. You know, teams are celebrating like the Orioles being in first place. Um, other franchises have things to celebrate like top prospects. And other property franchises have shit to celebrate like being having a new stadium in place. You know, it's, it's, it's obviously a great time to be a baseball fan. October baseball is well near. We are two weeks away from October. And a wild card race is hectic. We have no idea who's going to make it. No team wants to make it at this point, the way everybody's playing. Yeah, no. How's the West Loop? How's Chicago? Chicago's great. Uh, the ball that the Cubs are playing right now is not so great. This is a loaded podcast, so I think we should just kind of dive right into it. Uh, we're going to be talking, you know, standings update, going through some of the remaining schedules of the uh, of the playoff races. Uh, there's some drama in San Diego that we're going to talk about. Obviously, you mentioned the Rays securing a new ballpark, which means potential expansion coming soon. Uh, Chain Bloom got fired by the Red Sox last week. Otani got surgery. And then we'll talk about some other news and notes toward the end. So this is an absolutely loaded one for you guys today. And yeah, you mentioned... Can we just start out with a the, with the quick one? Because I think this one will be quick. The Otani thing. Okay. Because I woke up, what day was it? It was like Friday night it happened, Saturday night. Yeah, Friday night it happened, woke up Saturday morning. Yep. Saturday morning is like he cleared out the locker room like... Man was acting like Terrell Owens out here, like cleaning out the locker, cleaning out my closet Eminem edition, cleaning well, out. The way they reported it made it seem like it was a big deal, but it really wasn't a big deal. He just he just got know, hurt, he, and he was just like, "All right, cool, I'm, they're, they're gonna shut me down." But like, they made it seem like he he like did some Chris Sale circle Chicago White Sox stuff, where you know just left without notice. Right. And they were like, oh, yeah, all he left was, like, his all-star gear and, like, a couple of T-shirts. He took everything out. Like, man doesn't have a bajillion Angels T-shirts and all-star stuff in his, like, house. In yeah. LA. And, and, and Otani's not the kind of guy to go out and just leave the team. He's still, you know, sitting with the team in the dugout for, for the rest of the season. But, yeah, he went underwent he underwent Tommy John surgery on Tuesday of this week to address uh, that UCL tear in his right elbow. Um, according that that was from a statement released by his agent uh, so the angels did not announce it it was actually his agent that announced it uh, on behalf of the angels which was kind of interesting uh, the exact type of surgery uh, is unknown we're not sure if it was a tommy john surgery or an internal brace surgery which is, is kind of a big deal um, because obviously the tommy john recovery time is about 13 to 15 months Whereas this internal brace procedure, it's relatively neurosurgery, but it does have a shorter timeline. Um, yeah. Talking about that, I know I'm not qualified to speak, but I've done a little bit of research into the brace surgery. Um, it's done by Dr. Neil Elatrashi. I think I said it right. Yeah. He's been like one of the big pioneers into that. He's, he's pretty much one of the biggest orthopedic sports surgeons in the country. I mean, you tear something big, that's the dude you're going to. And I mean, Kobe got his Achilles tear. And he's kind of like pioneered this bracing. I don't want to say pioneer because that's a very loaded term. But um, if you guys remember back in 2019, no, not 2019, 2021, when we uh, when we had the um, the L.A. Rams Cam Akers, he tore his Achilles. So this is going to get a little nerdy. And so pretty much when you have an Achilles tear, 
the Achilles is a tendon. The main issue when you tear in a tendon is you get no blood flow to it. So essentially what they do is, is they cut the Achilles, they cut, they make an incision, they cut, and then they reattach and boom, you just have to sit and wait and you're literally immobile for, I think it's like three months and then you're not back to speed seven to nine. So what they did with Cam Akers was they did it, but instead they also put a brace, which would assist in speeding up the healing process, which got him back from tearing his Achilles in July in a workout back to playing in the Super Bowl in February, which was pretty crazy that you can come back that fast from a an Achilles tear tendon. And so if this bracing technique works, and I know Aaron Rodgers just did it the other uh, last week. Uh, and, 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 and Rodgers is also listening to Dolphins make passionate love um, and, and that might help his recovery as well. I don't know if you saw that on top of all the crazy drugs that he's probably taking as well. He could be back by week five. I mean, relax, bro. Like, come on, man. Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT. Um, so, yeah, no, I know you're a Bears fan. You're kind of hard because he owns you. So he owns the city of Chicago. So and Every team owns the Bears. It's not personal. Like, the I mean, first not this is not a football podcast. This is not if we can get Joe Seaman on for that. But, you know, um, if the live studio audience also can also agree with this, uh, we do have a live studio audience today. We, we do. Yeah. Kayla's here uh, in the apartment in the background here studying for her board exam tomorrow. So yeah. shout out to her. Good luck. Uh, thoughts and prayers to her tomorrow. Everybody wish. Um, so T's and P's. Um, but like what I'm saying is like if he can cut back that recovery time, that'd be pretty, pretty nuts. I mean, they're saying he'll be hitting in 24 and then pitching in 25, which I mean, at that point, it's kind of like. You know, you got to see how how long you're going to give out the contract. And, I mean, this is all just going to play into something for agency. And since it's a new surgery, new technique, I think he's in good hands. But it'll be interesting to see how, you know, the recovery works and how, you know, what's him after. Is he going to lose a little bit of velo on the fastball, just velo? Yeah. It'll be interesting. So, Yeah. I mean, that will remain to be seen. I still think he gets... I think he probably, you know, still gets five hundred million dollars this offseason because he's still going to be able to pitch. And um, I don't know, he he recovered from one Tommy John surgery, so who's to say he can't recover from a second? And I, I I'm optimistic for him. Uh, it's you know, obviously he went to one of the best orthopedic surgeons in in the in the world for this for this procedure. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think. It's obviously unfortunate we're not going to be able to see him pitch next year, but luckily we'll we'll be able to see him uh, in in the opening day lineup for whatever team he ends up playing for next season. And obviously, we will um, be covering it. We'll be covering we'll be covering his his free agency uh, every step of the way this off season. Uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to the off season pods. I, I love doing those. I mean, uh, yeah, those those are fun. I think this off season we can get a little bit trickier, do some revisionist history. What went wrong? What went right with some teams? So that that'll, that'll be something for the off season. And so, yeah, uh, where, where else you want to go look into? I mean, the Otani thing, unfortunate, but you know, hey, Let, let's let's kind of set the stage for the the standings as we have about what ten games left total. Um, absolutely wild races in the American League: East, West, uh, Wild Card, NL Wild Card. Um, we can start in the East in the American League because I've been really impressed by what the Orioles have been doing. They they split a huge series against Tampa over the weekend. They just won two out of three in Houston. Cedric Mullins had a huge home run on Tuesday night 
to get the win over the Astros. They did lose today on a walk-off uh, hit by Mauricio Dubon for Houston. Um, but Baltimore, as things stand, they're two games ahead of Tampa Bay in that American League East. I believe Tampa Bay is losing right now, so that could stretch to two and a half uh, games by the end of the day. Baltimore, just looking f- for the remaining schedules, what these teams are kind of facing uh, down the stretch. Baltimore has four games in Cleveland. Cleveland team that's not playing for anything. Cleveland, is, Cleveland is one game away from elimination. Yep. Two two at home against Washington, and then they close uh, two uh, for four games set at home against Boston. And then Tampa plays two more games against the Angels, one of which they're losing right now. Uh, three at home against Toronto, two in Boston, and then three at home in uh, – or sorry, three in Toronto to wrap up the season. So, I mean – if you had to bet on it, you'd feel like Baltimore has the advantage schedule-wise, right? Yeah, but that that Washington series, that's a bogey series, man. That's a rivalry game. Like, that's the DMV series. You don't want to do that, and you know. True, true. The Guardians are a very uh, pesky team, as we know. You know, it can, that Guardians can either win two, two out of four and make it all interesting. I mean, you know, that's the same thing with Boston. Boston and Cleveland are pretty much the same teams, but, like, if I'm – Going off what I see, I think that there's already like too much of a gap already built up between uh, Baltimore and uh, Tampa that I think Baltimore will hold on. Toronto, I think, is playing for more right now, just in general. They're trying to make the playoffs. You know, they're trying to stay in. We'll see what happens. I mean, the AL wildcard is pretty much set, but it's all just for seeding. I mean, the only team that can theoretically make it could be the Yankees, but the Yankees would need to go on a run. And I mean, at that point, if the Yankees make it, I think this podcast might shut down. Well, the wild card is not set at all. I mean, the the, the Rangers and the Mariners are fighting for a spot alongside the Blue Jays. They're all fighting for that third wild card spot. So one of those teams is going to be the odd man out. Yeah, but it's it's pretty much set which one's going to make it. Compared in comparison, those are the four. I mean, how do you think so? The the Rangers and Mariners are tied for the third spot right now. They have the yeah, exact same. So it's going to be one of the, we know it's going to be those teams that are going to make it. Forward. Yeah, yes, but it's not set who is going to make it. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty set who's going to make it. It's going to be Tampa, Toronto, Seattle, or in Texas, a combination of that. War, war so, so, so it's yeah. a matter of who, though. Yeah, it's a matter you, of who. Also, there's a really good race in the American League West right now. The Astros are only a half game ahead of Texas and Seattle. All three teams won today. Breaking down the schedule, you got Houston. Houston has three at home against Kansas City this weekend. They just had a series against them uh, last week, and they lost like two out of three. Tough series yeah, for them. They got a, well, Kansas City's hot. Kansas City's won seven out of seven out of uh, seven out of ten, and they've they're on a three game winning streak. I mean, they're playing some good ball right now. So th- th- don't don't sleep on that series. KC's been playing good ball. Uh, they go three at Seattle and then three at Arizona to end the season. So that's oh. a tough that's a tough stretch to close out the season for Houston, to be honest. And Arizona is also playing for stuff. We'll talk about them later about making the playoffs. You know, they're, they're, they're right there in the thick of things. Yeah, absolutely. And then the the Rangers three at home against Seattle, three against the Angels in Anaheim, and then four at Seattle. So they have seven remaining games against the Mariners. Those are going to be some good playoff uh, atmosphere battles. And then Seattle, they go three at Texas, three versus Houston, and then three at home against Texas. So yeah, they're, 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 they're playing each other a lot. Is my point? Yeah. So Seattle got to play. Got to play some ball. They got to. They. You know. And that that actually could be a benefit to them that they have to play their way in. You know, yeah. a lot of these teams, like for example, Minnesota, they're not playing for anything right now. Like in reality, like they're already 
going to clinch in the next two to three days if all goes right. They could be just, you know, resting their guys, getting ready for, for October while Seattle is going to be playing their basic, their playoffs start right now. Oh, they've been, yeah, they've been playing playoff ball for, for a while now, I'd say. So, yeah, so it, it, it'll be interesting what happens. I, I'll go out and, on a limb and say that Seattle will make it. I just think Texas has just been so hot and cold lately and just hot and cold. I, I'm not a big Texas guy, and I think that Seattle's pitching will prevail. Okay. And that, that Scherzer injury also is huge. I mean, they lost their big ticket acquisition. Yeah. So, I mean, I just feel like it's going to be that Seattle with their pitching – with Castillo, Kirby, and Gilbert, they'll, they'll get in. And, and J-Rod's playing. J-Rod's been probably the second half MVP for the AO. Agreed. Um, the, uh, the 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 Astros don't. I wouldn't be surprised if I mean they like I, I just highlighted their really difficult schedule. Um, they, I mean, they're only a half game up of those two teams. There's a chance the Astros miss the playoffs altogether. Yeah, I mean, well, but 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 you know, this is the, the Astros are a different animal. Right now, like they know how to do it, they're like the Warriors. They don't care what seed they get in; they just okay. care about getting in and just you know they'll make, they'll make havoc. They probably got Dusty Baker. The only two managers I fear in the AL that can make it are Dusty Baker and um, what's his buddy's name, Bruce, Bruce Bochy. That's the only two guys. Yeah, Kevin Cash has been there, but Dusty Baker is a different animal, and Bruce Bochy are different animals in playoff atmospheres. Same goes with Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler is a different animal as well. Unfortunately, the Giants are are pretty much out of it at this point. And then just just for Toronto, who is they're a half game ahead of Texas and Seattle at the moment. They have two more against the Yankees, one of which they're playing right now as we speak. They're winning that game. Uh, three at Tampa, three at home against the Yankees, and then three versus Tampa. So uh, difficult stretch for them as well. I, I'd say... The Yankees, they 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 should be able to take care of, but those Tampa games are going to be meaningful because Tampa will be fighting for the the uh, East Division crown, and and Toronto will be fighting for a playoff spot. So those will be two fun series to watch as but well. They're at, but they're at home, right? It's in Toronto, right? So the first series is in Tampa, and then the last one's at home against Tampa. Yeah, and that's what matters, man. Canada is a different animal. That's that country gets behind you. They got a whole freaking country, you know. <laughs> like it's hard to go from Tampa for a whole freaking country. Yeah, I, I, I mean, also I, I saw they had a huge series against the Rangers last week, which incidentally the the, the Rangers swept. Uh, funny enough, and then the Rangers go to Cleveland and get swept by the Guardians, so it kind of uh, netted out to net zero. But there weren't many fans in Toronto for the for that series for whatever reason, so. I'm just saying it's, it's just a lot that are going to show up and show out. I'm just saying out of the AO, come on, let's 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 do this right now. At the AO, what places do you not want to go play? I mean, Toronto in a playoff atmosphere is certainly one of them. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, but you're you're, you're handicapping that. Oh, they're not playing. They're, the, the atmosphere isn't there. But like right now, just hands down, like without play, playoff atmospheres, like these places, with or without playoffs, with or without play. I don't think it matters without playoffs. I, I mean, mean Toronto or sorry, Tampa Bay. You don't like playing there because the stadium sucks. I think Seattle is the only place I fear. And like I said, Minnesota, I know that their fans might not be showing out, but it's getting cold and they have the pitching to win the, to scrape by a series. I, they're pretty much, they're pretty much Cleveland on roids without the the hitting. So they're not on roids. <laughs> well, so, I mean, Correa had been hitting well until you hit the IL. We'll talk about that later. 
Um, but the pitching is there. Like the pitching is there to win a series compared to Cleveland's last year. I think I mentioned on last pod, the last pod that I, I do think that Minnesota can win a playoff series this year. Just it's a matter of them actually going out and doing it, which is something they haven't been able to do in what twenty years. They're big playoff guys, game. Their big ticket guys got to show up. That's that's the biggest key. They're big ticket guys with Buxton. We've been saying this: Buxton, Correa, if he's playing, um, Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, and. You know, Joe Ryan, the third guy. Those those guys got to definitely, you know, Johan Duran, they all definitely got to be, 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 be there. Yep. Moving to the National League, I think we have a good kind of sense of what's going on in the American League right now. Uh, excited to watch it unfold. National League wildcard race is is chaos. The divisions are, are wrapped up. Uh, the, the Dodgers wrapped up the NL West. The Braves wrapped up the AL e- or the NL East, and then the Central. The Brewers are going to win it as well. It's just a matter of whoa, time. Whoa, whoa. They I, mean, the, I mean, the Brewers still got a big series this weekend here in Miami. If they get swept, and the Cubs can play some good ball. Which I mean, I mean, they're six games up. They're I think Cubs, up. Cubs, and good ball don't go in September. Yeah, the, the Cubs are are not playing great right now. So just to set the stage, National League Wild Card Phillies three and a half games up ahead of Arizona. Arizona is a game ahead of the Cubs, so those two possess the first two wild card spots. Um, and then the Cubs, like I said, they're in the third wild card spot right now. Um, they're a half game ahead of the Marlins, who are playing right now. They're losing to the Mets as we speak. Um, and then a game and a half behind them is Cincinnati, and then three and a half games uh, behind them are are the uh, are the Giants, who look to be out of it at this point. Um, and, and the Padres still lurking around only five games back. The Padres have won seven straight, eight of their last 10. They've been playing good ball at, at a weird time for them. We'll get and into that. Blake Snell also, later. Blake Snell had a gem last night versus the Rockies. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He's, I think he's kind of solidified the, the national league wild card at this point. Is he your Cy Young? Did I, what did I say? Did I say national league wild card? I meant to say he, he, uh, has secured the National League Cy Young. And yes, I, I think he's my Cy Young in the National League. I think it's Cole and, and Snell. I don't think it's close. Only dudes I can see is probably Steele getting some love, but not even. He might, he might get some votes. He's got what? He's leading the ERA in the National League right now. Yeah. But, um, all right, same question. Out of these teams, out of Cincinnati, Miami, Chicago, Arizona, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, LA, Atlanta, what, what place do you not want to go play in a playoff series? Atlanta. Yeah, I think Atlanta, Chicago, Philly. I would have mind playing in Miami. I mean, uh, this is yeah, be, no one would show up. I mean, not no no disrespect to 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 the Miami locals and to the Marlins fans. It's just uh, I, they can barely fill up regular season games. I mean, the only way they can fill it up if it's just a if it's just like a you know Latino teams playing or if it's a WBC matchup. Yeah, Latinos. If Team Cube is there, oh, it's gonna be packed to the freaking brim. You better hope. You know. Could you imagine, like, looking back, if uh, if Cuba Cuba played the United States, that'd be a true road game. They did. No, in 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 uh oh, they they did. It was a true road game. Yeah, that's right. I forgot it was the semis. Yeah, they did play. I mean, it's a true. That, that's a road game. That's that's not a home game for the United States. But uh, I definitely would not want to go play in Atlanta, Philly. Philly, Philly, Atlanta, Philly. I'm scared of. Other than that, eh. Chicago maybe. Friendly confines though. Dodgers, no. You can go in in, in L.A. Yeah, Milwaukee. Uh, I've no. never. Arizona. I mean, 
it's a, it's you know it's perfect ball weather out there. Pause. I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen postseason baseball in Arizona since 2018. That one that one wild card game when Archie Bradley hit a triple. I remember that one. But just to let's wait, time on. Who was on that team? Was that Brandon Webb team? Paul Goldschmidt, obviously. Madison Bumgarner? No, Bumgarner was still. No. I think it was 2018. It might have been 2017, actually. They probably have Justin Upton. Yeah, it was 2017. They lost and then they won the wild card game against the Rockies and then lost the division series in three to the Dodgers. Goldschmidt, Chris Ainetta, Brandon Jury, Ketel Marte, Jake Lamb, Yasmani Tomas, AJ Pollock, David Peralta, JD Martinez was on that team. Uh, Patrick Corbin, Zach Greinke, Robbie Ray, T1 Walker, Shelby Miller, Zach Godley, uh, Fernando oh, Rodney, the, Andrew Chafin. This is the infamous Shelby Miller for Dansby Swanson trade. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. There's a trade that kind of goes under the radar, I think. People forget that he was drafted by the, the Diamondbacks. And he was moved up to the system really fast. Yeah, I mean, like, he was a college he, guy. Yeah, but he still went up the system really fast. In retrospect, mm-hmm. I mean that's an offseason thing, but um, but Let, yeah, let's go, let's go through the schedules. Yeah, all right. So Philly, Philly's probably got this secured, but they play four at home against the Mets, three versus Pittsburgh, and then three at the Mets. the The Diamondbacks, who just swept the Cubs in four over the weekend, which was a huge series for them, they go three at the Yankees this weekend, three at the White Sox, and then three at home against Houston. So relatively easy schedule, except that Houston series. The Cubs and the Yankees series, y'all, 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 you got to put some some respect on that name. They, they're they're a team that doesn't make it out to the East Coast to New York that often, and you know oh. that that could be a series. You know who's 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 the probables? Oh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, Cubs just gave up a four spot in the top of the fourth to the Pirates and are now losing four oh. one. Steel got pulled. Um, so yeah, the Cubs are playing two more against Pittsburgh, which they're losing right now. Uh, one of those. They have three at home against Colorado, who they just lost two of three of last week in Colorado. Then they go three in Atlanta and three in Milwaukee. That's a really tough schedule. That's who? That's who again? Um, Chicago? The Cubs. Yeah, they go three in Atlanta and three at Milwaukee to end this, end, end this, uh, end this season. And they're playing a horrible baseball right now. I wouldn't be shocked if the Cubs miss the playoffs. Yeah, but, the, but Chicago but Chicago is one of those teams that plays to their uh, opponent's level. Mm, that, that that that's fair. I mean, they did get swept against Arizona over the weekend. They played, when they when they were hot, they played really well versus Atlanta. Um, they did. schedule also. I think it's favorable. It's so, favorable. Yeah, I'm getting there. Uh, Miami. They have one more against the Mets, which they're playing right now. I think they're losing that game. Last time I checked, uh, they got three against Milwaukee, three against the Mets in New York, and then three at Pittsburgh. So, I'd say that's easier than what the Cubs have. And then Cincinnati has three at home. They have their last homestand this weekend against Pittsburgh, and then they have to go do the Battle of Ohio, and then they get the uh, the Cardinals. On the road, yep. So three in Cleveland, three in St. Louis. I mean, Cleveland and St. Louis won't be playing for anything. Now there's Pittsburgh. So that's a favorable stretch, I'd say. Favorable, unless Wainwright's pitching, which, I mean, then you can see the, uh, the emotions come out. And, yeah, you know, that's fair. Then uh, the, the retirement bounce come out in uh, St. Louis if uh, for win three hundred, two hundred, not three hundred. Three hundred would be automatic Hall of Fame. Well, winner is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I know, but 
not first ballot, but he'll make it yeah. like eventually. Yeah. Um, San Francisco, they they're out of it pretty much, but they go four in LA against the Dodgers this weekend, three at home against San Diego, and then three at home against the Dodgers. They're toast. The Padres, who are sneakily in it, they're only five games back. They go three at home against St. Louis, three in San Francisco, and then I put three at the Cubs. That's wrong. Um, I think they close the season with someone easier than that. I mean, let me, let me pull it up. Schedule, like, how ironic, so favorable, and they have the talent to do it. Sorry, yeah. Oh, it's I put Cubs. It's three oh, in Chicago against the White Sox, not the Cubs, to close, oh, this, to close the White the Sox playing for Jack. The White Sox are playing for contracts at this point. They're playing for jobs. So. Yeah, so after all the drama, which we'll get into, I mean, right now I think it would be a good transition. The Padres are are somehow kind Wait, of before, before, to win out. Before we go into this Padres drama, who makes it? What are your three? Um, Philly obviously is a lock. I think Arizona is going to squeak in. And I, I'm oh, – it's tough. I'm between Miami and uh, Cincy. I think Chicago falls out. Um, I could see Arizona missing it. You're discounting how good the like Yankees in Arizona would be. No, I think that I think the Diamondbacks take care of business. I I might put my. I I could see I could see Cincinnati doing it with that schedule. So I'm going to say Cincinnati, Philly, and Arizona. I don't know, man. I don't know if Cincy has the juice, the pitching juice left. I haven't been a big Hunter Green guy. He just had a career-high 14 strikeouts today. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big Hunter Green guy. Yeah, but they lost. I know. I'm just saying he pitched well. He pitched well, but they lost. So you got to win those starts. So I don't know. Give me Philly. I think Chicago will find a way because Colorado is easy. I think, the, I, think, I think they can do something in Atlanta, and I think that Milwaukee series – Milwaukee may not be playing for anything unless they're just trying to avoid Chicago, which I mean – if I'm Milwaukee, I am playing my stars to beat Chicago because I do not want to see Chicago in the playoffs because that's basically a home game. Like American – what is it? American Family Home Association Center? So, American Family Insurance Stadium, I think. Yeah, whatever will we'll, we'll, we'll be filled in blue and red. True, it would be a home, home game for the Cubs. And mm-hmm. it's now 7-1 Pirates. Justin Steele's final line, three innings pitched, eight hits, six earned runs. Tough start for Mr. Steele and his son. I don't know. Miami's been playing good ball too. So, I mean. And, and, and we, we analyze the schedules, but anything can happen in baseball. They are bringing juice. I mean, the city is. My, my boss was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the game. And I'm like, oh, damn. People are going to Marlins games out here, man. That's pretty crazy. You, it, it takes something special to get Miami people to go to sporting events in that city. The thing is, Marlins games start at, 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 which, at 1 o'clock. And 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock on, on the weekends. People are usually asleep by then. People in Miami don't wake up. Like the young population, they don't wake up till 2 or 3 in the afternoon because they're usually up all night. They usually are up all night and then go, don't go to bed till 8 o'clock, 9 in the morning because they're clubbing. Like literally, you'll go to a heat game and people will be like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm pre-gaming. This is my pre-game. Like they'll go to the heat game to pre-game and then they'll go have dinner and then they'll go out. Well, they also literally have a club in the heat stadium. So, I mean, I haven't found that one yet. Well, that'll be something for the pod. Let's get into this Padres drama um, that we kind of alluded to earlier. Kevin Aki at the San Diego Union Tribune reported that uh, in conversations with numerous players and officials, there was a clear pattern that emerged uh, with much of it centering around Manny Machado. 
Apparently the Padres lack cohesion and a central purpose exemplified by the fact that virtually none of their players participate in pregame workouts and are frequently late to team events or transportation. Uh, Aki explained that experienced players believe that the Padres lack the mindset and leadership uh, needed to maximize their results. According to several veterans, um, what also does not exist is a team with a winning culture that doesn't include the best players being the hardest workers and those demonstrating in a word and deed to the rest of the team, what is expected and tolerated. Uh, teammates have said that Machano, Machado sets the tone and is given a lot of leeway and is held to a different standard, more lax than other superstars. So, I mean, my question for you is, are you, are, are you surprised? Are you surprised? That's no. my thing. I think, I think if we go back to our pre-pods, that is just like, what if the season goes tits up? And they just like they're that flash team, and guess what? Boom, tits up. Immediately. Like, we like what are you gonna do? Like the funny thing is, like they went out and they got Bob Melvin. They thought Bob Melvin was gonna fix the problems. Bob Melvin, a ridiculously great manager for the A's. I think he's a top five to seven manager in the league. Yeah, arguably. Yeah, I would say so. Certainly when he was with Oakland. And then you add all this talent, and guess what? Boom, nothing. Your pitching still stinks. Your bullpen stinks. And then you got a bunch of guys like Tatis doesn't scream like, yeah, he's a great player, but he doesn't. I don't see him being like the hoorah type guy. No. Machado does not seem like that guy. Machado seems like that. No, no offense to him. Great player. He seems like a too cool for school guy. Him and Tatis both seem that way. And obviously, Tatis caused controversy in the locker room last summer with PEDs. They're the type of players. The funny thing is, I feel like they're the type of players that, like, like, if you put structure to them, they won't thrive. They they kind of have to. Well, they need they you need to have them like that. That's that's the thing. It's just like why? So let's see. Why didn't Machado resign in L.A.? Like L.A. gave up a huge haul to get him because I think he's set to a higher standard there. He's he's part of he's a part of an organization and a structure. Whereas in San Diego, maybe he, he can get more of a guy. He wants to be the guy. In LA, he wasn't going to be the guy. We, but we and me both know that. But it's like, it's just like, okay, you want to win, so you leave Baltimore. But okay, then I want to win and be the guy. Why didn't you stay in Baltimore? Because I feel like Baltimore. If you stay in, ba- if you would have stayed in Baltimore, like in, maybe I don't know what, what's his WAR, three or four games at this point. Yeah, uh, he hasn't had a great season. He hasn't played well since last, since last year where he was blazing. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is, it's like they're a team that you can't put structure on them because I kind of feel like they need to express themselves. But he then ha- he has a 3.2 war this season, which is, is low for him. Yeah. So, but it's just like, I'm not surprised. I feel like there's deeper issues going on. I think like I love AJ Peller's style, but I just haven't feel he hasn't put the right pieces. He's kind of like, okay, let's get all the talent in the world and figure it out. Yeah. I, I think. They have a bunch of guys, Soto, Machado, Bogarts, um, that, and Tatis, four guys, four superstars of baseball that would have been the best player um, on most teams. They were guys that were the best player on their team before they came to San Diego. Tatis was the best player on the Padres before these guys came along. Bogarts was the best in Boston. Soto was the best in Washington. Bogarts the best player in Boston? Huh? Bogart's the best player in Boston. I, I'd say he, him and Devers were, I mean, levels above everybody else on that team. But I feel Devers is better. 
Okay, whatever. E- either way, they they're guys that are used to being the absolute best player or uh, or one of the top two players on their team. All of a sudden, they're coming to San Diego where they're just another guy. There, there's all this star power. And, and in the report, he did make it clear that there, it's not like there's tension between them. It's just that there's a lack of accountability, and it seems like there's not a winning culture there, uh, and they're not holding themselves to a high standard. So maybe they don't care about winning as much as they should. I don't know, but th- this report didn't necessarily surprise me. Um, and like when you see a team with that much star power, I think of like the twenty, what was it, twenty twelve Eagles. Now they got screwed over by Chip Kelly, but they had a ton of star I power. Mean, I mean, that, that's a, bro. I was literally thinking about the same team, the Eagles, like super team that they had, and, and it's just too much ego. Uh, and, and again, I with the caveat that Chip Kelly wasn't wasn't the best coach for that situation. But when you put that much ego together in one locker room, one clubhouse, it's not always going to work. Especially if yeah, you don't I, have a good, if, especially if you don't have a good organizational culture. Which I'm not, I'm not going to speak on the Padres organizational culture because I have no idea if they if they have a good one, but it doesn't seem like they do. And I think this is a perfect segue into our next topic. I think the Padres have done a really good job at acquiring talent and putting talent together, but not a great job of putting a support system around around everything. Like their talent development and player development system has done a great job in scouting departments, but I just feel like they haven't done a great job at acquiring the correct uh, personalities into that clubhouse and, and, and put the right support systems around that. And, and that shows you how hard it is to build a team. And, that, and that's going to put us into the whole chain boom th- bloom thing, which I think, like, I know he gets a lot of flack, but look, we gave him flack about what is he doing. But as I read more Bill Simmons and I just started to, like, think about what he's done and look at the farm system, like, Chain Bloom came after um, Chain Bloom came after um, Dave Domboski. We know what Dave does. What does Dave do best? He goes for big talent. And what does he do to your farm system? It's gonna get gutted. He's like that dude. Like he gives like if you give Dave uh, Dave Domboski a hundred a hundred dollars, and you're like, all right, you know, go do this. He will get to the Louis outfit. He he doesn't care. He doesn't care if you're just stuck with zero. Like oh. he will go get the whole outfit, the top of line outfit. Yeah, and I feel like Chain Bloom did a great job at um at restoring the farm system with Marcelo Meyer, Kyle Teal, uh, Tristan Casas. The thing about it is that I kind of feel that he was a scapegoat for what John Henry and FSG did. Like, okay, yeah, he traded away Mookie Betts. Uh, he 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 was the GM that is going to get charged with that move, but I I think that one came more from from ownership, from ownership. But it's just like okay, and somebody did a great point, and and I really agreed with it. At that point, they were training Mookie Betts, the top five player in baseball, with David Price, who had a bunch of money owed. Like nobody's going to absorb a David Price contract that big. You're obviously going to devalue the value of your return by attaching an unwanted thing. It's like, okay, I'll give you a brand new car, but it needs an engine mm-hmm. replacement. Mm-hmm. It's like, it really like, so it really hurting the value of the car, like go get it repaired. They, um, and then I feel like the free agents additions he did about getting these dudes that we were like the whole 81 and 81 that we said, I kind of feel like that was just ownership pushing him to like, okay, you have to feel a somewhat watchable product because we need to fill up seats in Fenway and we can't look bad in front of the media 
and in front of the Boston sports fans. Like the smart Boston sports fans will know, but the casual Boston sports fans will be like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're winning games. They're decent. Hey, we'll go to the ballpark. If you feel the team out that's gutted to the brim, they're going to be like, why are we going to go spend money? And then you have empty seats, and that's going to create headlines. And I think it's it's a different ownership, right? It's not it's not um, the John Harrington of old before John Henry took over, where you know Harrington didn't care if they were putting out an awful product and the Red Sox were miserable. John Henry came along and obviously took this franchise to the next level, winning a bunch of World Series. So yeah, they they care about the product, and they're not gonna they're not gonna be okay with the team just tanking for for top draft picks or or whatever it may be. They they want to put out some watchable product out there. Uh, for the fen- fans in Fenway, kind of similar to the Cubs, where the Cubs don't really put up with really, really bad teams, um, even though maybe at some point, at, at sometimes they should. Um, but that's not been the case in, in either of those cities. Obviously, the Cubs of, of yesteryear um, certainly put up some duds, but of, of recent year, they have had much better teams. Um, and yeah, I mean, look at the look at the free agent the Ricketts, edition. The Ricketts family, the Ricketts family will, will definitely put out a okay. washable one. Kenley Jansen, I, I'd say that was a good pickup. Justin Turner's had a good year. Chris Martin, Adam Duvall, Michael Waka, Trevor Story. That signing was was I'd say if you that's a knock on Bloom for sure. Uh, signing a guy that they knew had shoulder issues uh, and wasn't going to be able to be a shortstop for them moving forward, and they had to move him to second base. I think that one was kind of a tough move. Masataka Yoshida started out really well this year, but he's kind of fallen off. They paid him a lot of money. I think like sixty four mil over four or three years. James Paxton, Corey Kluber, they refused to re-sign Waka after a good year uh, 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 on a one-year contract. They signed Kluber, who sucked this year, 7 ERA in 55 innings pitched. Uh, they let Avaldi walk instead of making him an offer. Uh, let Bogarts walk. Obviously kind of insulted him with the offer that they gave him. Um, and I'm and not some sure. questionable moves at the deadline. So as with any GM and, and chief baseball officer, like there's pro, there's good moves that he made and there's bad moves that he made. I'd say, yes, he did a good job of redeveloping the farm system, which will, should benefit Boston moving forward. But I mean, I don't, I don't like with sure the farm system's fine, but I don't think they're really going anywhere right now. I think it just needed a couple of years, one or two more years, that project. I'm just saying my, my biggest thing about the whole Bloom thing is like he's going to get flack for the Bogarts, but I understand why you let him walk. Uh, and, um, okay. I mean – I think I, I think, I think the, the Padres paid beyond market value. That's a huge deal. They could have – in 21, they could have extended Bogarts for a much better deal that he got – that he got much better – much more team-friendly deal than he got last offseason. hey. hey. Not everybody has Atlanta Braves uh, accounting. Not everybody got Enron working working in the front offense, you know. And okay, yeah. And they also re-signed Devers this offseason, which I mean, you had to keep Devers. I, I mean, yeah. not sure, but Devers long term screams aging third baseman that can't play the field anymore ends up being a DH or first baseman. Just flip him over. But I mean, but they got he, Casas now. Who Casas has yeah. had a nice season, and he seems like he might be the first baseman of the future for the Red Sox. Hey, who knows, man? It'll be interesting to see what happens there in Boston. I think there's, there's, I don't know what you do with that team. They could have. I kind of feel like they took like the, I think they took like the Cubs approach, the same Cubs approach. But like, let's sign a couple guys, and I think the Cubs got a little bit lucky that Swamp, uh, Dansby, you know, continued his his bats continued, and that um, Cody Bellinger 
you know, resurgent, even though I do feel like the Cubs farm, they've done a better job at evaluating talent through trade and evaluating talent through the draft and the international market, even though the Red Sox do really dominate the international market. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Red Sox moving forward, but right now they kind of just feel like a middling team um, with, with a long way to go. And they, they made some changes. In, are, they the new, are they the new Rockies? No, they're they're not going to be the new Rockies. Uh, just one note, uh, Red Sox CEO Sam Kennedy said that they will conduct a broader search that could take a while for their new chief baseball officer. Uh, and he did rule out Theo Epstein as a candidate. So Theo Epstein will not be coming back to Boston. You can count on that. Maybe they finally hire somebody away from the Theo Epstein tree. Maybe. I don't know. I think I think they're going to go with a fresh hire. Um, Maybe a guy with a little bit more of experience. Maybe, uh, maybe James Click ends up there. Ooh, Was that the guy? That's a name, yeah. From, you know, if from he ends up there, I think Yankee fans would probably just go under, just you know, just put themselves under a rock for the well, next ten years. Uh, Click went over to to uh, Toronto. He's their VP right now. So I feel that everyone, everyone wants a piece of the Rays organization. It seems. Speaking of the Rays, I think that's a good transition. The Rays have secured a new ballpark deal, which is huge news. Um, the stadium is going to cost $1.3 billion, um, but it is part of a larger redevelopment of the historic gas plant district site where the where Tropicana Field is currently located. So it's going to be on the same uh, same spot as it is now. Um, and it, so they're redeveloping it, the, the area around Tropicana Field, which is going to cost about $6.5 billion overall. So huge development of, of the site over there, kind of, you know, similar to how Wrigley Field, uh, Wrigleyville got redeveloped um, across their, their multiple, multiple renovations that they did to the field in the area. Um, once the financing, it, it, or sorry, uh, some more details on the financing. The Rays are covering more than half of the $1.3 billion for the stadium, which is like 700 mil. Uh, 600 million of that is going to be covered by the city of St. Petersburg and Pinellas County. Um, that structure has been agreed to by the Rays, the mayor of St. Petersburg, and the Pinellas County admin, Barry Burton. Still needs to be approved by the city council and C- uh, county commission. Uh, that vote could come before the end of the year, and the city will follow in 2024. So, assuming all of that is passed, the Rays will sign a 30 year lease that starts in the 2028 season. The stadium will seat around 30,000 people under a fixed roof with artificial turf and operable walls to bring the outside in. So any thoughts on the new stadium itself, Luis? It's long overdue. I mean, it's great for baseball. I mean, Tampa is a really big uh, bustling market. A lot of people are preferring to move to Florida into Tampa instead of going to a Miami, Orlando, or a Jacksonville. So I do feel like that's kind of like betting on Tampa to continue its growth. And, you know, I just want to see, you know, if it's going to build up fan support. Because, I mean, you don't really meet Rays fans out here on the streets. And, you know, the Rays have been a perennial, like, they used to be what the Browns, they used to be the Browns of Major League Baseball mm-hmm. back in the 2000s. And so it's very interesting to see uh, what it's going to do to the team. Maybe a new facility actually promotes people to come out. So it'll be interesting. I mean, good for baseball. I mean, happy for that we don't have to do uh, relocation because relocation is pretty sad mm-hmm. for, for a lot of fans. It's taking away – it's like, you know, it's like you're losing your child in a sense. You're losing custody of your child or your, your dog is going to a new owner. You know, it's yeah. – it's, it's never pretty. 
never pretty. Now, I think the biggest takeaway from from this this new ballpark deal is, is the the potential of expansion for for Major League Baseball. Obviously, currently at thirty teams, but Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has long stated that the league wants to expand from thirty to thirty two, but that he needed the A's and the Rays to to resolve their respective stadium situations before that can really be considered. I mean, now the, that's all done, right? The A's are their Las Vegas move. Uh, well, you know, you know what's next, right? You know what's going to be next, right? What? The Brewers. Brewers need, yeah, so they need to update their stadium. Uh, but the A's, like I was saying, Las Vegas move, uh, going to go to an ownership vote likely in November. Should be approved uh, pretty easily. So that's taken care of. Obviously, the Rays are now taken care of. So expansion could be on the horizon, and we could start getting the ball rolling on that. Some Some cities that come to mind, Nashville, Portland, Salt Lake City, Charlotte, Orlando, um, we could we could be seeing two new teams here within the next I don't know who knows five years or so. So exciting, exciting times. Yeah, um, I know Nashville has a group led by an ex major leaguer. I forgot Dave Stewart. I think it is who leads that group. I'm not sure. I I, I know they they've been they've been big. They have a group. Um, Portland is. Uh, I know Russell Wilson was involved in that one. Um, he's not riding that deal anymore. Who knows? He, he's on the Rocky Mountain High. You know, maybe maybe he goes and buys the Rockies. Um, Orlando, I know they have the, the ex guy who brought the Orlando Magic to Orlando, but I just wouldn't like that. I feel like that would just oversaturate the the market, and I don't think Tampa or Miami would allow a third. You know, would add a third uh, major league team into the market. Yeah, I don't oh. think we need another baseball team in in Florida. It, oh. it's, it would be the Orlando Dreamers. They were the team with the really, really uh, like hideous, like drinks. rookie ball level logo. Uh, right. it's, Pat it's, Williams, it's Pat Williams, the guy that brought NBA basketball to Orlando. And then um, Montreal has been floated. I don't know if the Canadian dollar and if there's Canadian fan support. You know, there. I think the likeliest of the two would probably be Charlotte. Charlotte, right now, they have the AAA affiliate for the White Sox. Their stadium is right next to. I've actually seen their stadium be yep. BB and T. It's right next to where Bank of America Stadium is, which is where the Panthers play. And then Nashville. I mean, it's the Vegas of the South. I would hate it from a perspective of being a Memphis resident, an ex-Memphis resident. It just makes Nashville people more obnoxious about. Oh, we got Major League Baseball. Yeah, like, right. I, I agree. Like, 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 bro, like, cool. You're always going to be like little bro to the uh, to the Braves and the Cardinals. Like, it's going to be really hard for them. That's the only thing I think Nashville faces. It's going to be really hard for them to actually build a fan base because a lot of those fans in that region, and you know this because you played a lot of ball around the area, they're all either Cardinals or Braves fans. They're just like no in between. And also, it's it's going to be oh. a very tourist laden crowd there similar to las and vegas also, and also as well like bandy baseball is also pretty big there too so it's just like yeah i mean i yeah i, I it'd be curious to see how that fan base develops because you're right i mean people are so deeply ingrained with their braves or their cardinals down there in that part of the, state, you know, the country they don't say they don't say yankees country or dodgers country the only places that you hear like baseball says it's like it's Cardinals country and it's Braves country. Like the Braves like dominate the whole southeast. They do like they when they, 
when I would watch games on uh, Fox Sports or Bally Sports South uh, Southeast, it would literally then be like, oh, we're going to Mississippi with the World Series. I'm like, bro, how large of a freaking like yeah. demographic do you reach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, same thing with Charlotte. I think Charlotte would have that same issues too. Yeah, but there's only so many options for, for where to go. I mean, I think Vegas is really prop. Well, they're already getting one. Vegas would be really good. I don't know any other cities that would be very good. I mean, there's not many other MLB cities that would financially support. I mean, definitely not Florida. We don't need another team in Texas. You know, San Antonio, yeah, probably not. Austin, 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 probably not. yeah, Austin California. would be good. Yeah, California market is also pretty pretty saturated. I mean, you're not going to put another team in freaking Sacramento no. or something like that. So it's you're, you're pretty limited. I think baseball does a really good job of spacing out their franchises compared to like an NBA or an NFL. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. Just a few other news and notes quickly before we get out of here on this Wednesday evening. A couple twins notes that I want to hit on. We talked about them a little bit earlier, but Carlos Correa. Are you trying to talk to Joe, man? Come on. No, they're just an interesting team heading into the playoffs. Uh Go ahead. Carlos Correa heading to the injured list with plantar fasciitis. He's been dealing with it since May, uh, but has been playing through it. It's in his left foot, which is not the same foot slash leg that sparked all the offseason drama. Twins say he will be ready for the postseason. He's had a really tough year. 230 average, 312 OBP with a 399 uh, slug. That has been with playing through the ailment. He's been better in September, 296 average, 377 OBP with a 463 uh, slugging percentage, 136 WRC plus as well. So he's turned it on, and we know Correa. He plays his best baseball in September and October. He's a postseason performer, so hopefully they get him back. You were talking about how they need their big guys to be playing well, and he's one of them. I have, I have no words. I think I, I, I pretty much hit my twins' nose. No need to continue to oversaturate the the listeners with more twins content. Okay, then I'll ignore the Royce Lewis note. No, I mean Royce Lewis is Mr. Grand Slam right now. Yeah, but we're not talking about the twins anymore. He did lose. Wait, wait, we got to talk about no, it. No, I, talk- I thought we're done with the twins. No, no, we got it's for Joe. It's for Joe. You know, we got to we got to gotta help out the fellow uh, podcast member. Royce Lewis exited yesterday's game with discomfort in his left hammy. No indication that he will require a trip to the injured list. Uh, he has returned from his second ACL tear in as many years this year. Uh, he's been really good. Three, 309 average, 372 OBP with a 548 uh, slug, 15 bombs and 239 plate appearances with four grand slams in just three weeks. Playing third base for the Twins. He's been great. It's on my fantasy team. Um, and the Twins have been playing really good ball in September. Tied with Baltimore for MLB lead with 112 runs in 18 games this month, which is 6.2 runs per game. So they need those guys. The Twins need those guys back healthy um, for the playoffs. Wow, this Pirates game, it's 8-6 now, Pirates, in in the fifth inning. Uh, Ian Happ hit a grand slam. Morrell hit a home run. Good game. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's... It's those those Cubs, C.S. Suzuki, those homers, man. All the homers, Cody. Cubs, Cubs got a Cubs got a core. And then going to the South Side in Chicago, just an interesting note: White Sox are expected to hire Josh Barfield, Brian Bannister, and Gene Watson to the front office as they revamp that front office. Who are these guys? I mean, I like these hires. Josh Barfield, current Diamondbacks director of player development, 
Uh, he's expected to leave that role for White Sox front office job as assistant GM to Chris Getz. Uh, Brian Bannister, 42-year-old former player, he's hired for a role in pitching development. He's been the Giants director of pitching since 2019. Getz and Bannister were teammates in Kansas City in 2010. And then Gene Watson hired for a role in player development. He was assistant GM and vice president uh, of MLB scouting with the Royals. So, you know, we we kind of ripped on the Chris Getz hire, internal hire for Reinstorf. Uh, but finally, some fresh voices coming into that front office. I actually like these moves. And I think they're surrounding Getz uh, with the right kind of people, some outside voices and, and some fresh perspective in that front office, which is much needed. Something the Yankees should do. I agree. I agree. I mean, they did it last offseason a little bit, but um, I think Cashman's kind of the, the main issue. Cashman out. All right. And then last note, just quick. Orioles are temporarily shifting Jack Flurry to the bullpen, um, at least temporarily. He might be there in the in, in the playoffs as well. Apparently, Brandon Hyde, the manager, wants a lot of right. He's good on righties, and they want him out there. He's been really bad since coming over um, from Cardinals at the trade deadline. Has a seven point eleven ERA uh, over in over in, in seven starts uh, and thirty one innings pitched. Um, so tough, tough for him. But Baltimore starters have been good. They have a combined four ERA since August first the trade deadline, which is the ninth best mark in baseball in that span. So we should be seeing Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, and Dean Kramer kind of leading the line in the postseason um, with John Means potentially coming back. Uh, he's pitched twice so far this season uh, coming off that Tommy John. Uh, he could be a wild card, but just due to those lack of innings, remains to be seen how much uh, he'll pitch in the postseason. They also placed Ryan Mattcastle on the IL today. So a lot going on with, with the Orioles. Can we talk about um... – Talk about how these a lot of these moves haven't worked out. Like this year, I feel is really unique that a lot of these trade deadline moves haven't really like panned as we thought they were. I feel that's very unique. Like when we always look back at trade deadline years, there's always like a lot of these moves, not a lot, but a good good amount of them work out. And when you look at them, like Texas doesn't work, Baltimore hasn't worked out. I mean, Jake Berger is okay. Jake Berger's been good. It was it was Thank it was a quieter trade deadline. There weren't really too many big names. Delito, yeah, didn't work. Candelario yeah. has been good for the Cubs. Yeah, but a lot of the moves haven't worked out. Like a good majority haven't worked out in comparison. I agree. I agree, and that's kind of been a trend over the last two seasons or so. I mean, so. Scherzer out for the season. That was kind of the big headline move. Verlander's been fine for the Astros. I mean, we but Verlander just went home. Verlander went on went on a little holiday for like three six months three months so you know what Verlander he went on holiday he went on to New York he he lived in New York life for a couple months and then came home mm. he just went on a little vacation you know went to go live in New York and now he's back in uh, the friendly confines that is uh, the Crawford boxes in Minute Maid and boom he's back pitching like elite could have could have seen that coming. Also, apologies for Luis's audio. He forgot to plug in his microphone. We realized it at the very end of the podcast. So it is his his computer audio um, for this episode. My computer audio missed you not going to lie. All right, well, you got anything else? What are some series you're looking at for the weekend? Uh, I'm looking uh, for all those series that we mentioned earlier, honestly. The, 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 you got to pick one. You got to pick one. Only Juan. Um. Probably Texas versus Seattle this weekend, I'd say. Yeah. I, I got I got three I'm gonna be looking at this weekend. Uh Blue Jays Rays. Definitely gonna be one. Yeah. 
Milwaukee, Miami. Okay. And then Texas versus uh, Seattle. Yeah. Those are those are the three. And then, you know, there's a lot of peripheral series going on, but those are the three that you, you know, tune in, lock in for. Yeah. It's um, they're all going to have playoff atmospheres um, as we, you know, these are basically playoff games at this point in the season. So exciting stuff. You got anything else before we get out? Ready for the, I'm just ready for some playoff baseball, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited for it too. Uh, great stretch run here and we will be back next week uh, with some more baseball content for you. Thank you all for listening to this episode and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace out. Peace.